Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's double feature brings you Of Unknown Origin from 1983 and Deadly Eyes from 1982. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. You guys done your silly little childish arguments, or? You, we're having childish arguments. You're promoting us by children, so. I'm permitting you to? I wasn't aware it was my job to stop that. Listen, I don't know how punching a toddler is going to make this podcast a success, but if if it needs to be done, I'm going to punch that kid. Definitely be in the news, for sure. <laughs> it goes back to the ancient argument of how many six-year-olds do you think you can take on at once? Yeah, see... Phrases like that just make me uncomfortable. Just need to stop talking about it. Just saying. Bare knuckle boxing. Infinite six year olds. You're going to lose at some point. What point is it? Although, but when you bring in bare knuckle boxing, now are we fighting according to certain rules? Is that what's going on here? Or is it just well, you're a not brawl? A, I, I just mean you're not allowed to chainsaw the children. Okay. But you're allowed to, like, kick them and stuff. Yes. Yeah, you can kick them. You can punch them. You can pick up a toddler, hit another toddler with that toddler. All right. Well, at least Noah's thought this out. <laughs> Except you know, he thinks six-year-olds are toddlers, but whatever. Meh. Small, small children. So I'd watch out. I wouldn't let him anywhere near your son, Doug. Apparently he wants to fight. I was... That I was already a listen, rule. I don't know if you guys already knew about that rule or not, but that was already a rule. Listen, I don't want to fight any children. I'm just saying I can only take so many children in a fight. <laughs> and I think that number is surprisingly low. <laughs> <laughs> and even if Noah said a number, we would but me and Doug would probably say it's still too high. So I'm saying it's definitely it's definitely in double digits. <laughs> but oh, I can't no. but I can't say how far into double digits that number is. I don't know that it is in double digits. I think you're overestimating your own abilities and underestimating the abilities of children all at once. I don't see I'm a fat fuck. I think I could I could destroy multiple six year olds just by sitting on them. But you'd have to get six-year-olds to sit still. Yeah. Oh, that's true. They're fast. 
Yeah. And I'm fat. I mean, honestly, just you against my kid, I'm giving you like 50-50 odds. Well, he's been hardened in fire, literally. (laughs) Jesus. I did have another parent at the park yesterday ask me what I'm going to do if my child leads a revolt and shows all the other kindergartners how to climb out of the kindergarten fenced-off area at the school. And I was like, I... I don't know. I don't have a plan for that. I was going to say, buy him a sword? Yeah. Yeah. You don't focus either. You try to earn his good graces. Yeah. I told her, thank you for complimenting his leadership skills. (laughs) So if we see any news out of Canada about a children of the corn-esque revolt in a small town, it's more likely (laughs) that... Uh, yes. Out, Outlander! We have your woman! We have your woman, Outlander! <laughs> Damn, I need to watch that movie. I keep trying to watch that movie, but it only shows up on the one streaming service, and I can't remember which one it is. But every time I try to watch it, I click, like, watch now, and it doesn't play, and I don't know why. <laughs> and I try two or three times and then give up and watch something else. I think I've got it and a couple random sequels on DVD, but I don't have the whole series for some reason. You don't want the whole series? I have all of them up to part six. Fuck yeah. That's already too many. You want like the first one and then you want maybe you want that one where they're in the city. I think it's like part three. Mm -hmm. And then that's it. You don't want to watch the rest of those. They're bad. A while back, I did go through and watch them all. And... It wasn't a good use of my time, and I'm not happy I did it. Uh, Children of the Corn 1984 is streaming on YouTube. Is it? If anybody's really interested in watching it. I must have been really, really interested because I never checked that. (laughs) It's a good uh, good version, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like the corn movies don't transfer over to the... uh, to the YouTube accounts. I have no interest in watching most of those again. And I will not be watching them. I was going to say, you're going to be busy anyway. You got to watch Candyman in those two other movies that have that in the title. Yeah. We'll save our Candyman discussion for the end of the show where it belongs. Yeah. Did you see it, Doug? No. Damn it. Oh, you're missing out. I do want to see it. Yeah, I was hoping we could have a spoilery discussion at the end about it. But. Well, if it's that big a deal, I can always we can save it for the very end, and I can log out. Nah, I want I want like everybody's opinion when we discuss it. All right. So, yeah, you're just gonna try to go see it this week. I'll try really hard. Uh, I I was gonna say I would try really really hard. The tone of your voice does not denote that you will. Have you known me to try hard at anything yet? Does it seem likely that this will be the first thing I try at? I'm just... Spoiler, it's worth seeing it in the theater. I'll agree with that statement. Anyways, can't get distracted. Can't get distracted with how good Candyman is. Everyone, go see Candyman right now. Turn off this podcast. Go see Candyman. Come come back when you're done. This weekend, number one at the box office. Fuck yeah. Unfortunately, right. next week, Shang-Chi's going to kick it right in the balls. 
apparently it was the first time ever that a black woman had a number one movie at the box office opening weekend, which doesn't seem like something that should be true, but God damn it. <laughs> why? Why is it that things that should be good news still feel like bad news? <laughs> I hate it. I hate yeah. it. You know what I don't hate? Rats eating people. Motherfucking rats. All right. Well, Noah, why don't you tell us about your new favorite movie, Deadly Eyes or Night Eyes? Yeah. Depending on which version you watch. <laughs> or or ones that are called Deadly Eyes, but then when the title card comes up, they haven't bothered to edit in that title, and it still shows the other title. I uh, I honestly think every version says Night Eyes. Maybe. Yeah. It also I, has been released as The Rats, apparently, which is the title of the novel that it's based on. Is that right? See, I didn't find yeah. anything with that. Uh, so the movie uh, is about a high school gym teacher and a woman that works for the FDA uh, having a relationship. And all the while, a bunch of rats get into some corn that was secretly actually feed corn because they were sending it to poor, starving Africans. And it was illegally treated with steroids. So the rats ate it and became super rats. And they're great big ass roid rats. And the roid rats going on a rampage in the city. And uh, our gym teacher and the FDA lady got to take on all them rats. <laughs> it's Jaws with roid rats. <laughs> it, it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, God damn it. I'm so happy I watched this movie. <laughs> For the listeners at home, as Noah was watching this movie, he was constantly texting the rest of us just to like tell us how much he was loving it, which rarely happens. Yes. Oh. And I had already I'd watched it earlier the same day, so I like knew that reaction was coming, and I was like waiting for it when it started. <laughs> I just it blows my mind. So I the, uh, you guys don't have to argue this week because I'm the one who put these movies on here. Uh, and I had put them on because I wanted to watch Of Unknown Origin again. Okay. And because I was like, you know what? I remember it being all right. And it's just about a dude taking on like a rat in an apartment building. And I was like, but I need something to team it up with. And I don't know what. And I just typed into Google's <laughs> movies, <laughs> horror movies, rats. And of course, it popped up with a million entries for Willard and a bunch of other shit. And then this one. And I was like, you know what? I've never seen that one before. That one's going in the list. <laughs> I had never heard of this movie before. I don't think, um, which is weird. Cause it's also a Canadian movie. Um, and I just kind of like, I, I'll watch anything. So you guys put it on a list, whatever. I'll watch it. Killer rats. Sure. And then as I'm Googling it around and finding out that they, hired uh, dog actors to play the rats so that they would look like giant rats. I got started to get excited. And wiener dogs in rat costumes, people. And they look all right. That's the, <laughs> fucked, up, the fucked up part of this whole thing is that they look really good. Like when, when there's like the packs of the dogs running around with their little rat costumes on, they do a good enough job like like the, the director of this movie is a respectable director. He made 
Jim Cotta and Black Belt Jones and other movies that we've supported from this podcast. Is that right? Uh, Is this the same director as Jim Cotta? Yeah. Should have known. Should have known so, it was going to be. Like, the way they shoot it and stuff, it actually kind of looks like giant rats. Like, if you look real close, you can figure it out. But it, it looks more like giant rats than I ever thought it would. And it like, messed me up. And then when they do the close-ups, they cut to the pretty good puppets of rats doing the actual biting and they use just enough of that fake blood on them to make it look like they're actually chewing on stuff. And uh, you know, I was going to say the one, the one special effect complaint that I might have is that when the, they're doing the close-ups of the rats eating somebody, a lot of the time, I, I think it's supposed to be the rat gnawing on somebody. And instead it looks like weird vampire rats sucking on somebody. Yes, I agree. Cause the, the puppets aren't particularly movable. Right. So, yeah. And the sound effects literally like. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that rats, that rats suckling that dude's lifeblood. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's just so much about this. So this movie for uh, I mean, I think it falls pretty firmly into the. I don't know. It, it's an animal attack movie, although it it doesn't exactly play like an animal attack movie it's pretty close it's more like a slasher with a horde of giant rats as the serial killer (laughs) if that makes sense because this movie has a crazy high fucking body count it does yeah but it's the jaws formula it's just giant rats and then it's extra kills added in because they know that's what we're here to see and then right. for some reason, the weird storyline about the underage girl trying to sleep with her teacher that I'm not sure was necessary, but, you know. Well, uh, so I thought about that long and hard after the movie was over because I was like, why? Why was that in this movie? I don't. And then I was like, oh, my God, it was all to set up the fucking movie theater scene. That entire weird thing was just to put that character in so that she could go to the movie theater and the rats could attack the movie theater and we would have a reason to be there. I mean, I kind of agree with you, except for the fact that there was like a bunch of teenage characters, like the whole basketball team could have just gone to the movies. We didn't need that. Cause the super weird thing about this movie is that, um, so there's a whole plot line about this teenage girl who sneaks into the locker room to slide, try to sleep with her teacher. And then when that doesn't work, she sneaks into his apartment. And when he comes home, she's just there in her underwear. But what's super weird is like, they don't do the thing where they hire a 19 year old and get her to show anything. When they're at like cheerleader practice, they're all like fully dressed. They're not in like skimpy little outfits. Like the teenage girls are not, not sexualized as much as you might expect from a 1982 low budget horror movie. But then they still kept that plot line, which is like, if you're going to edit out all that stuff, why keep that particular plot line? Yeah. I mean, they did sneak in a teat into this movie, but at least it was was the 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 fully grown woman. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the, the two main actors, like the teacher and the, FDA lady. She's not FDA because she's whatever the Canadian equivalent to that is. Um, was uh, 
they, they were like in their 40s, which is like quite old to be showing yourself naked in an 80s movie. To be fair, all the high school kids look like they're 40 as well. So it did, it did take me a while to figure out because the opening scene of the movie is like they're in like a they're all guesting at like a college lecture. And I just assumed they were all college kids. And even then I thought they looked a bit old. <laughs> then they'll get back on the bus to go back to the high school. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> it's the eighties. All right. Uh, I do. I do appreciate that. The, uh, the teacher resists fucking the student. Yeah, he actually... I was worried that that was going to happen. Although the level of boner he seems to have, <laughs> at some points you're like mm, inappropriate maybe maybe you should have had him a little more ah Jesus get away from me instead of gotta resist fucking this hot girl yeah maybe to be fair she's like one of those late seniors who's like 18 right so mildly okay it's still ethically inappropriate but you know but he and he does the, the thing that scared me about that whole plot line and we'll move on from this soon, I hope. But the thing that scared me is when he said no to her the first time and then she kept coming back. I was like, oh, there's going to be a whole plot line where she eventually succeeds. And, and that's going to be worse than if he just slept with her the first time. Because <laughs> now he's like acknowledged on film that it's wrong and he's still going to do it later in the movie. So when he never does sleep with that teenage girl, I was very relieved. Which is like something you won't hear on a lot of other podcasts. But around here, the movies we talk about. It's very exciting when an adult doesn't sleep with an underage girl. It's Indeed. an accomplishment. Not, a, not an ounce of incest in this film either. Pretty good. Uh, yeah, there's a, man, I, I don't even know where to start with this fucking movie. There's also this great subplot. I was going to say, about the their, scene the rats eat a baby? Yes! <laughs> Fuck yes! Shit, and it's baby. one of the first scenes! <laughs> it's it's amazing because it's like the classic slasher scene where all the kids are like partying in the house where the parents are away and then the, you hear a baby crying and the one girl's like i gotta go get my little sister and she goes and gets her and puts her in a high chair and then goes back to her friends and when she comes back that baby's been eaten and there's blood everywhere and they do not hold yeah. back and i love it you say little sister i swore that i heard her say i gotta go feed the baby she doesn't. She, she never denotes like what their relationship is. That's why I'm she's, confused. I thought she I says thought the that baby was a boy. when she <laughs> picks the when she picks the baby up. She says, "Oh, big sister, I'll take care of you," or something to that effect. Okay. And she's the one whose parents are out of town, so it is. She's the teenager who's been left home alone with the little kid, and then is just you know still being very irresponsible by. You know, having sex with her boyfriend while her, while her friends smoke pot in the living room. But when the baby does cry, she actually goes and addresses it. So I was going to say, this movie does have a lot of uh, weird little subplots to it. But they're all resolved in a pretty good clip. Yeah. And, and so I don't I don't think it's a problem. It just keeps moving. There's there's just a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of these uh, side characters that I think think that we find way more out about these characters than we need to know for them to be eaten by rats. Yeah, there's an argument to be made there, but uh, best subplot, of course, is the the main subplot, which is that they've just opened a brand new subway terminal uh, extending the line. 
And despite the fact knowing that these rats are moving through underground tunnels, uh, the mayor doesn't want to cancel his dedication ceremony of the new (laughs) thing because that would hurt his election chances. A little bit better. Understand how much, how much, uh, how much money the subway is going to bring into the city. We can't shut it down. (laughs) I love the fact that it's not even shutting it down. They're just like, you know, there's giant rats eating people, and he's like, "Fuck you." (laughs) Well, yeah, the whole movie is like every time the uh, the lady, whatever her job title is, whenever she's like, well. We got to we got to get rid of this corn because it's infested with rats and been treated with steroids and isn't safe for human consumption. And they're all like, do you know how much money that company brings in? We can't do things to hurt that. Everything is just the politicians yelling at her for trying to save people's lives, which I used to think was an unrealistic trope of 80s films. And now I realize it's just foreshadowing to reality. But um, of course, an unfortunate truth, if you will. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that that whole thing is, I mean, it's an obvious Jaws nod is all it is. I don't think it's anything else. It's just a, like, I don't know, but I don't think it's from the, the original novel that this is based on. So I think it's just them going, this movie's not enough like Jaws. Let's put in a politician that doesn't want to shut things down. I, I have to assume this movie's not very similar to uh, the book it was based off of. Because I, I read two or three different things about this film, and all of them were like, the author of that book was pissed. Yeah, every single one of them. It's like every article about this movie ends with, and then the author went on a tirade about how he hates this movie. Yeah. It's a horrible piece of trash. And guess what? That motherfucker's wrong. He's wrong. He's dead wrong. He's dead wrong. This movie is glorious. In case people aren't understanding our discussion yet... This movie is just pure, like, low-budget 80s gloriousness. It is rats just... Every time there's a lull in the action, they just cut two rats eating a dude. It's just like... Sometimes it's just characters we don't know. Just an old man walking down the street. Bunch of rats chase him. Eat him up. No problem. Yeah. Scatman Crothers? Fuck you. Rats gonna <laughs> eat you up. Goddamn Scatman Crothers. So I don't. There's just so much to say about this. So the the best comparison of this movie I can make is Chud, just because it's yeah. Well, it's a ridiculous concept, but they just commit to it, (laughs) and because they just committed to it, fucking works. I don't give a shit. This movie has so many bad reviews, and I don't understand who these people are this movie's great i i i feel the same way like i totally understand why like a mainstream audience member or somebody who's like a fan of cinema and film would sit down and watch this and think it's trash but as far as just being a horror movie fan somebody who like grew up on like 80s slashers and everything else it is so fun to watch these rats eat people and they never go that long without eating people Right. And then you always get these like cheesy discussions where it's like like when Scatman Crothers dies, they're like, well, obviously rats didn't eat him. So he must have just had a heart attack or something. And you're like, there you go. There's your excuse for the plot to keep going. You did just enough of that talking. <laughs> and it, it's always like that. Like they did, every time they're like, All right, is the audience scared enough of rats? No, let's go back to that rat expert from earlier in the film and have him say more scary things. 
<laughs> Perfect. Like they, was, they just nail it. And they do they do a fantastic job of uh ratcheting up the violence too as it goes. Yeah. Which we, yeah, we go from rats killing a cat off screen to rats starting to kill a baby on screen and then horribly uh, devouring that baby off screen. Then a little more, a little more, a little more. And then we culminate in this orgasm of fucking rat violence. That is the, the fucking subway scene. It just, all those people getting fucking wrecked oh. by a, a sea of giant dog rats. <laughs> That that final those final shots where like all those people are trapped in that subway car just getting munched alive, just beautiful to watch. Just beautiful. Just all these little fucking dogs in costumes climbing all over these piles of people who are just doing their best like eighties extra work where they just kind of like scream and don't really know how to act. It's great, Ryan. You haven't said much. Um, like I greatly enjoyed it. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as you two did, but it's still, and it weirdly turns out, I think I saw the end of this movie when I was younger. It's another one of those movies. It's like, well, I remember this one thing, but I don't know what movie it's from. And all I remember, like in my memory, it was people on a subway car looking out and seeing like a swarm of rats. And then one of them sort of stands up and then freeze frame. But I think I just inverted it. Like when I saw this, it's like, oh, no, the people are outside the subway car looking in and there's a swarm of giant rats. Then one leaps into frame as your final your final scare. The final shot of that rat coming right at that window is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So that's all that. I at least know what movie it's from now. Yeah, this there's just so much. I, I how the fuck have I never seen this movie? Why was I not told? (laughs) <laughs> who are who is responsible for this movie being so fucking inaccessible? I was gonna say it's not very hard, not very easy to find, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I'm gonna order one of them multi-region fucking Blu-rays of this bitch. I need that. I looked. There's jack shit on it though. I don't. I don't care. I just so, want the movie. Just have to have it. And uh, yeah, I need it so I can watch it when I want to. And if I tell somebody about it, I have the access to go and be like, come, come to my living room and watch this film. <laughs> well, you know, we do have a digital copy of it now. You can just show them that. Yeah, that's true. But that feels less final. Oh, trust me. I'm not arguing against physical media. Um, I have I, a collection that I don't even remember. I had to search through my emails like, oh, did I order the uh, of Unknown Origin Blu-ray from Scream Factory back in the day? Do I have it sitting in my room that I just don't know that I do? Turns out I didn't. I just so so much about this movie. The the so the final confrontation between our our valiant hero and the rats, of course, is uh, them in a hallway filled with giant barrels. Clearly labeled flammable because, you know, you just like in a subway, you sometimes you have to have a hallway just absolutely filled with kerosene barrels. Well, where, where else would you keep them? <laughs> right, right. So, you can't something. keep those above ground. That's not safe. Yeah, well, but I, I mean, he basically does a smile son of a bitch moment where they roll one of the things and then blow that whole place to shit. Fucking awesome. Yeah, it's not very safe to keep those around, though, because, you know, the. uh they flood the sewer with toxic waste at midnight every night. 
That's the New York right. sewers. These are the right. Toronto sewers. Totally different. I mean, apparently the city on the front of the cover is New York. Is it really? Because I like I is they put the they put New York City on one of the covers. It doesn't look like it's this one. Because watching the movie, they like because lots of movies are shot in Toronto, and if you live near Toronto, you start to recognize things. But this movie is clearly set in Toronto. Like it's there's no effort whatsoever to make it look like anything else. The subway car in question has the big Toronto Transit Commission logo on it in big letters. They didn't bother to cover that up. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, this cover has the Empire State Building on it. The thing I really. Read- they put New York on it to make it more marketable for New Yorkers for some reason. That's well, funny. that yeah, sounds I mean, like an eighties thing to do. That's so weird. Cause it, like, you'd think you would, you'd think that in the movie you would <laughs> just try to cover up the fact that it's Toronto. Then like you say, a, a simple sticker with the New York subway symbol on it would have been sufficient. I was going to say another thing about this movie that I love uh, and this comes from my my love of bad movies because this movie has its bad movie moments, but but for the most part, I think it's actually pretty well put together. One of the tricks they use in the dog rats to make it uh, less obvious what they're doing is they modeled some of the faces slightly different. And like one of them has its mouth wide open, but it obviously can't close its mouth because it's just. <laughs> the creepy rat mouth on the front of the costume. So if you pay attention, every time they're running, you always see this one like, ah! <laughs> like it's running with its mouth wide open straight at the camera over and over and over again. It's really delightful. <laughs> it's like the clown zombie in fucking uh, Day of the Dead. I can't help but smile every time it pops up on screen. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh. I feel like the dachshund and just dress it up in a giant rat costume now. Oh, oh such man. a good idea. Apparently, two of the dogs are terriers, not dachshunds. So, they, uh, if you've watched the movie close enough, you might be able to spot them. I'm not sure. I just read that in the <laughs> trivia. Yeah, it's, it's so fucking exciting. <laughs> the, it's the biggest problem I have with them is so because. I get I get what they were going for to make them look like giant rats. And I'm not saying it's not entirely effective or anything, because we all like it. But uh, a wiener dog and a rat do not have the same shape of body. (laughs) So they're these weird tube shaped rats. (laughs) Right. But there's no other there's no dog that looks more like a rat, I don't think. Right, right, right. I mean, the closest they could get to simulating giant rats would have been for them to go get a horde of possums and spray paint them black. Which is... Which, it's the 80s, it could happen. Yeah. Ah, this movie. Uh, The guy's girlfriend kidnaps his child as revenge for thinking that he's sleeping with another woman. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, he has sex with her and then goes home the next day. And that's when the student's waiting in his bedroom. So my assumption is because she's like, you didn't come home last night. So my assumption is she's been there all night, which is fucked up. Oh, that, that's a good point. I never pieced that together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and he comes home and doesn't even go in his bedroom. Just starts taking off his clothes. Like, I got to go jump in the shower, kid. Yeah. 
Then when he comes out, she's there. He's like, you got to go. And then, of course, his new girlfriend shows up. And he doesn't even, like, look, I have this stalker student. Uh, I don't know what the fuck she was doing. Nothing happened. He's more just, like, humming a humming a humming a, like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> she's just like, oh, yeah, well, fuck you. I'm taking your kid. We're going to go on a fucking uh, subway ride. Here's the thing about that is like as like a single dad myself, I was already creeped out because he's been on one date with this woman and she's like, well, why don't you bring your kid to this work event of mine? And I'm like, no, no, you do not get to meet his kid after one date. I was already creeped out by this woman. I'm like, that is unacceptable. And then she's like, <laughs> and then she just takes the kid and leaves the dad behind. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> Well, I like this shows up. The kid just goes answers the door. He's like, oh, hey. And then just turns around and goes back to the apartment, leaves the door. No stranger danger or nothing. Doesn't give a shit. That part felt very real to me. It's like, I got to get back to my cartoons. <laughs> that, that whole scene actually felt very real where the dad and the kid come home. And they're like, he's like, okay, kid, you got to take a shower. The kid's like, not watching cartoons. And the dad's like, but you need to take a shower. It's not good for you to watch cartoons. And the kid's just like, cartoons. And the dad eventually just goes all right i'm gonna take a shower but when i get out you're turning off those cartoons <laughs> then i love but, the fact that the kid walks in on uh him with the half-naked high schooler and he's kind of like yeah and his dad's like go watch cartoons <laughs> again all feels very realistic uh, sounds like you've had that exact scenario Doug. not not the latter one <laughs> wait doug have you had impressionable teenage girls in your bedroom no they look like they're 40 years old for the record absolutely not no <laughs> just in case of the uh canadian mounted police are listening says yes. hey they the do always get their man <laughs> anyways i can't i just can't fucking recommend this movie enough you guys are welcome for this, by the way. I'm reasonably confident Canadian tax dollars funded this movie. So, Jesus, I haven't I, I haven't been this pleasantly uh, surprised by a movie since we did. I bought a vampire motorcycle. <laughs> this is I I I'm having trouble remembering the last time I went into a movie completely blind like this and came out so happy. It it, it just worked on exactly the right level like it is literally just it's the perfect you know low budget b80s killer rat movie it's i when we first started talking about doing rat movies i was gonna add other rat movies to the list and i didn't because it's like they're all gonna be a letdown now (laughs) now we're now we're screwed we have found the king of rat movies (laughs) It's like this belongs in the discussion of best Jaws ripoffs. It's you know what I mean? Like with it's, your... it's certainly the best rodent based Jaws ripoff. Or sorry, as per previous week's discussion, this is the best movie that's a duel with rats in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's duel with the sea of roid rats. <sighs> or uh, anything else to say about your new favorite movie? Noah? Uh, I don't know. 
I feel like I feel like it's just going to devolve into me listing every single moment of this movie and be like, you remember that? It was awesome. Oh, dude. You remember whatever chased the old professor guy? Yeah, fuck him. He flipped and fell down the stairs. Yeah. Awesome. But that one kid got his hand bit and they're all doing like, like, we'll call it the homage to Jaws where they're like literally, wow, that's like they're measuring the cut and saying it's too big to be a rat cut a rat mouth and all that. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's the Hooper scene. That's him measuring the tiger shark's mouth and being like, that's not the right length. <laughs> I, I will say the movie theater scene is probably now my second favorite horror movie, <laughs> movie theater scene. I think demons is still better. I mean, that's not crazy. Yeah, the demons demons is some next level shit, and it goes on way longer, so it has an advantage over yeah. over rats just fucking mangling people. I just love the the fact that this this movie never establishes the rats as being particularly more intelligent or anything than a normal rat. No, but those rats had to coordinate that effort because that one bites the guy's hand, and then immediately they're all like ankles. Ah! <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to look into it quite that much. The rats are a little bit over personified if you want to criticize the film. It's like, wait a minute, why do they have this motivation? That's not normal rat behavior. They're hungry and they're, they're aggressive because they're on the steroids. Yeah. Maybe that's... It, was, it was funny. Like There were a couple of moments, though, where um, like when they were talking to that professor guy and they were talking about like the runways for rats and shit. Like, I don't know if you guys remember, but I had a rat problem like couple summers back and yeah you do when you read up on it all that shit was like exactly what i read it was like yeah you find the runway where they get from their nest to their food and that's where you put your traps or your poison or whatever it was exactly right it was it's just <laughs> hilarious that that they did the, that little bit of research not the fact that you know if rats eat corn with steroids in it they'll just turn giant they never bothered to really do the science on that but <laughs> Did your fire take care of your rat problem? Um, the rat problem was taken care of previous to the fire. Oh, what? However, when they were tearing down the house for the after the fire, I did find where the rats were hiding the traps that they stole. So, <laughs> I I feel like that's the perfect segue into the next movie because apparently you had the super smart rats that were stealing the traps. <laughs> You are fighting a rat in your in your dwelling, so this is a perfect opportunity. Yeah. Doug. I never made it inside my house, thank God. But explain <laughs> of unknown origin. This is you want me to explain how I'm like RoboCop? Is that what you just asked? Um, I don't know. Of unknown, someone asked me what of unknown origin was, and I said, "Well, there's this guy, and he's got a rat in his house, and he's also under a lot of pressure at work, and that is the whole plot of the movie." <laughs> Yeah, it's a man slowly being driven mad by a single rat. Yes, it is just it is a one on one battle between this man and this rat. And the man is losing through much of the film. And he is just devolving into madness as a result. And that's really what the movie's about. Um, the only like other plot points are that his wife's out of town. And that, you know, like I say, he's under pressure at work and that he's got like a, a partner who's like the maintenance man from one building over that he just turns to for additional help when he needs like his cue 
That's where he goes for his weapons. Whose who's, who's entire job is just to reinforce toxic masculinity. That's his entire job. That's, Don't call a goddamn exterminator. You're a man. That's your house. Go fight that rat. He'd even, he, he even like his office is in the basement of the building, which makes sense for a maintenance office, but he uses it to watch women walk by in skirts out the window. <laughs> and he comments on how the one lady cuts her leg shaving all the time. Like, that's not, that's upsetting. Don't say that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, but it's it was weird that this whole movie was about one guy fighting one rat and losing through much of it, and it almost cost him his career. I was, the, the weird thing is, re-watching this, uh, bits and pieces of it I remembered so vividly, and then other things I'm like, I don't understand why my brain was so wrong about this. Like, I was convinced it was a giant rat, no, which it's no. not. It is just normal-sized rat. Yeah, one normal-sized rat that is freakishly intelligent. We have to give it that much. Yes, unreasonably so. Considering how serious this movie takes itself, why is the rat super smart? And they don't even discuss why. It's just... <laughs> right. Uh, but I forgot that Shannon Tweed was in this. In which I think, is this our first uh, Shannon Tweed encounter on the podcast? I think it is. That can't possibly be true, is it? I think so. The, movie, the types of movies we cover? Which which kind of blows my fucking mind. Yeah. As far as I remember. In which, uh, for for those of you playing at home that, that aren't uh, late night Cinemax aficionados... <laughs> <laughs> Shan- Shannon Tweed is basically the queen of softcore porn. Yes. I mean, that's that's the way I would if if you look up the phrase brick shit house, <laughs> it's just her picture. <laughs> like <laughs> she is a hot, hot woman. She still kind of is, even now that she's old and been tainted by the touch of Gene Simmons. Yeah, we prefer not to think about that. <laughs> right. But yeah, I was excited. I can't. I, I just it, like I said, blows it blows my mind because I was thinking about it whenever Brian brought up that she's in it. And I was like, oh, my God, have we not done any Shana Tweed movies? I, I suppose that would be weird, though, because it's not like we want to be like, <laughs> hey, I put in this movie because I like it. Hey, I put in this movie because it's bloody. Hey, I put in this movie because I used to beat my dick to it whenever I was 13. <laughs> OK. <laughs> I'm not sure if we needed to word it that way. But you got you know what I'm talking about. We're all that age. I think they put her in some of those weird action movies that also had her get naked a lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As she became more established and could demand better roles, that she would be like the girlfriend of the action movie and take her clothes off for no reason. Right. Before they tried to replace her with Anna Nicole Smith. Yeah, that worked out well for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting ready. I was getting ready to say the exact same negative statement that it didn't work out for anybody. All right. Do you guys want to get back to the movie now? Yes. So Shannon Tweed's tits. <laughs> Start this movie. And then us. Yeah, and then a smart rat and a guy just go toe-to-toe, and it's just this great, 
I don't know. It, it, it's hard to even call this a horror movie because I don't think they do a very good job of no, generating it's, it's, any type of fear. It's like a psychological thriller. Um, they make references to like um, Moby Dick and stuff in the movie. Like he's reading it at one point. And I think the movie version's on the screen at one point. And you're like, yeah, it's him going after this rat and it's consuming his life and everything and driving him insane. Except the difference is in this movie, because they make the rat so super smart, it's like he has to. The rat comes after him if he lets his guard down. The rat tricks him into leaving the room so it can destroy his work papers at one point. <laughs> the, the rat overhears him telling the exterminator where the check's going to be and it steals the check. <laughs> <laughs> it really does it literally he leaves a checkout for the exterminator for people who haven't seen it he comes home and the rat's still there and he calls the exterminator and as he's yelling at the exterminator he sees the eaten up check there so the rat knows how to read what a check is understands that concept and is like well if I destroy that then the exterminator will just leave problem solved <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, the other problem is, I feel like this movie attempts to take itself too seriously until the very end of the movie, yeah, when, there's all a, the, when all of a sudden there's this gear shift, and all of a sudden yeah. it's turned into house, and he's running around in hockey pads with a spiked baseball bat, ready to battle the, <laughs> the once again, yeah. normal-sized rat to the death. That ending is fucking insane. But it's so jarring to have a movie that takes itself this seriously and then has that ending that lasts like 15 minutes feels like it's from a completely different movie. It is like there is a build up to it. But when they flip that switch, it's such a switch. Yeah. If this was a if this was a better movie. The main character would have such an interesting journey because they they kind of start with him in this position of, I don't, I don't know, position of power is what I would call it, but that's that's not exactly correct. He's He's got a good job. He's stable. You know, he wears suits to work. He's got a hot wife, all, all that kind of shit. And then slowly, his battle with the, the rat breaks him down in, into a quivering, blubbering mass of, of weak man flesh, and then rebuilds him into fucking Ash taking on the evil dead. <laughs> like, I don't, which is weird. Just as a reminder, played by Peter Weller. Yeah, so Robocop. Yeah. We can rebuild him better, faster, stronger in hockey pads. I just like there's cleats everywhere. Like he even went back to his office and had his cleats. I'm just like, really? It was the 80s. I think in the 80s, it was just understood that you would, if you worked in an office, you had to keep like sports gear in that office so that you could go play racquetball or tennis or whatever with the boss whenever it was demanded of you. I guess. But his boss saw him and was like, don't let anybody else see you like this. Go home. Yeah, because he was all fucked up. This is this is one of those movies that should also be on after the credits because... So while he's fighting the rat in the basement, two things happen. First of all, he breaks a water line and his basement is still flooding at the end of the movie. Yes. And but then he goes back down. And he's battling it. 
he straight up breaks a gas line. And that house is so full of <laughs> fucking natural gas. Yeah. But he's, all, he's also address, trashed the rest of the house. Yeah, and they do not address the fact that that house is going to fucking explode. Somebody's going to flip a yeah. light switch and they're all going to die. Well, he doesn't have any power, remember? Yeah, the rat does cut the power to his yeah. house at one point as part and, of the battle. And, and the phone. Yeah, it's a smart, smart rat, man. <laughs> super smart rat. And then there's, I don't, there. I clearly there were scenes edited out of this movie at some point. Because a few things happen that don't make sense. So there's the uh, there's the scene where he falls asleep in the bathtub fully closed <laughs> for some reason. No. After after uh, mouse trapping his own hand. And then he goes and he's sleeping in a hammock in this room because that way he's up off the ground. So the rat can't get on him. And it shows the rat cutting a hole in the roof above him. Yeah. And then the movie just... And then the movie just continues on. Yeah. The rat was just trying to spy on him, I think. Do you think? Because it seemed pretty obvious that they were setting it up for the rat to, like, drop on him and fuck him up. Maybe. Maybe they... I'm not sure. I don't know. Just a weird... Just a weird continuity thing. Well, I have a, I have a different question for you guys. Do you guys think that the rat was never supposed to be there? Because I feel like this movie is about a guy going insane and that if you could get your hands on the original script or the original treatment, at least, that this would be about a guy constantly trying to fight a rat and us not knowing whether the rat actually existed. Because a lot of the stuff that goes wrong, the electricity going out and all that kind of stuff could easily be attributable to the fact that he basically rebuilt this house himself and he could be using the rat as an excuse and it could be about him snapping over the pressure he's under at work and the pressure he's under from like the financial pressure of this new house and all that and blaming a rat for it and just constant end up ruining his whole life just because he can't handle it rather than there being an actual physical rat. Do you guys think that that's possible? And then they, somebody, some executive got their hands on it and went, uh, like some executive got their hands on it when yeah we got to show the rat though because audiences want to see him fight an actual rat and then eventually that turned into getting it to the director of Rambo 2 so now it's got hockey pads on him and a giant fucking weapon hey hey this is Robocop Robocop don't fight no imaginary rats yeah because there, there's even there are some Edgar Allan Poe references in the dialogue that makes me think this is like a telltale heart type story that then just studio execs are like, we're not green lighting something unless you show the rat and show it a lot. Now put in a dream sequence where the rat comes out of a cake. Cause that'll be awesome. It really was awesome. Fair, that was awesome. Uh, trivia says <clears throat> the movie was originally released in a longer version according to rating the movies. I don't know what rating the movies are. No. Doesn't say what was in the longer version. No. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I don't know. I'm curious how that would be. Cause that's just like I, this movie, my big criticism of it would be that it is two different movies. It's a dark drama about this guy being driven insane. And it's an exploitation movie about a guy fighting a rat. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, certainly the climax is pure exploitation movie. The dream sequence where the rat comes up through the birthday cake is pure exploitation cinema. But a lot of the other stuff, if you didn't see the rat, could easily be a guy going insane. Because you guys, do you guys ever see the movie uh, Bug? Michael Shannon movie? Michael no. Shannon, Ashley Judd? I don't think so. It doesn't sound familiar. It's it's a really good movie about these fucking junkies who are gradually go insane, and it starts with them thinking they're seeing these bugs that clearly don't seem to actually exist. Um, it's a freak kid movie. What's that? That's a freak kid movie, isn't it? I believe so, but I don't know that off the top of my head. Um, anyways, it's a really good movie. People should watch it, but it is about this just descent into madness and has multiple scenes of them searching for bugs that aren't there and trying to deal with a problem that doesn't exist because they're clearly going fucking nuts. Right. Um, and I think this movie kind of could have been the same thing, which would have been an interesting take on it. Like if he kept going back to like that other guy and saying like, I need more stuff to fight this rat. And that guy's going like, no, you've done everything. Like there can't be a rat if you've done these things. And he's just insisting on doing more and more. And like getting those ridiculous mouse traps that are like bear giant, like yeah, bear traps. Like yeah, I think I'm with you. There's, I just thought about it. So there's also the thing where there's multiple times where he is sitting there and he hears the, it's like kids laughing or something like that. And then that kind of leads into the uh, the dream sequence with the rat popping out of the cake. Yeah, which I think is supposed to be him as a child. Is it supposed to be him and his child? I thought I assumed it was supposed to be his kid's birthday party, but might not have been paying enough attention. Yeah, I thought it was Shannon Tweed and his son. Maybe, maybe? I don't know. I don't know if it was trying to lead into something else that maybe he was traumatized as a kid. Something to do with a rat giving credence to Doug's idea that maybe the rat was not supposed to actually be there the whole time. No, if you look at the IMDb page, they have a picture of uh, Shannon Tweed screaming from that scene. Okay. Okay. I just thought the kid looked different for some reason. It was the 80s, so I just used a different kid in that scene and hoped no one noticed. Probably wasn't because he wasn't being an asshole. Because of about one to one. I don't know. So this movie, I think it falls into the category of it's all right. I agree. It's not. It's not terrible. Problem is, I watched these in the wrong order. I watched the other one first, and then this one. Me too. Yeah, me too. Going from one that's actually pretty fun to this one, which is kind of uh, plotting. That's what I'm saying. Going from next level rat movie to uh, Shannon Tweet's boobs rat movie. Well, I, yeah, and I like I've talked. I talked about this movie last time I watched it on the podcast, and I remember thinking, um, like, it's weird that I like it as much as I do, considering how dumb the plot is, and you know. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's a well-made movie, and it's a well-acted movie, and when the the violence between the rat and this guy finally erupts, that's super fun to watch. So I think that all kind of saves it from just being a boring slog where um, really 
it's a lot of not much happening through a lot of the movie. Oh fuck! Did you? What? The director, George the director. Cosmatis. Cosmatis. Yeah. Of of Rambo two and uh, his next movie was Rambo two. Yeah. So that was Cobra. Yeah. After that was Leviathan. The movie after that was Tombstone. Yeah. So that's the thing. This is a, a similar to what we're saying about the last movie, which is like, yeah, it's this ridiculous concept, but you get someone who can make a quality movie in there, and they'll make you a quality movie even based on a ridiculous idea. Man v. Rat. You could argue that this and Tombstone have very similar themes when it comes down to him hunting down that rat the same way Wider was hunting down the cowboys at the end of the movie. That's true. I, I do. I, I think the the most interesting part of this movie is there's this through line of. Uh, the destructive nature of rats yeah. versus uh, a person's. Uh, you know, this is my castle, you know, that that bullshit. <laughs> and it's just I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. They, they set they set up, you know, he built this house. He did all the work. He didn't just do all the work. He did all the work meticulously by hand. And yeah. now there's this fucking uh, plague bringing destroyer outsider in his home. But in the end, the only way he's able to stop the outsiders by completely destroying the home. <laughs> It is, yeah, there's something there that is, uh, like, thematically very strong that just gets buried in the fact that he's wearing hockey pads and running around with a baseball bat at the end. Right. I don't know. I feel like it, the movie would have been better served if they had done more damage to the house throughout the movie. In the I don't know. And that the climax kind of happens as a result of the house already being destroyed, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, if the destruction... If- if the destruction of the home was more gradual, like if he was digging up the floors at some point, trying to find the rat and you know, people were coming by and seeing him devolve in his house that way, you could edit out a lot of the work stuff too, and just have it be like, he's not showing up to work and his, you know, his buddies or his secretary or whoever are showing up to check on him. And you're just watching him. They're showing up and he just keeps getting worse and worse. For some reason, I'm picturing like the end of House, like when William Cat walks out of the house and it's on fire behind him. Yeah, that's like, that's kind of what I'm saying it should have been. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying I see him walking out, and it's like fuck it, burning this shit to the ground. Right, or or even it's just the moment of like you could even do the him with a spiked baseball bat beating the rat to death. But if you had it come at a time where he finally looks around and realizes that there's no house left to protect, which yeah. means he can he can cut all the chains and do whatever the fuck he wants to get this rat. I, I don't know. It's, it's that seems thematically stronger than what they did. Yeah. Well, and there's a few moments, too, where people are discussing very specific parts of the house and I kept waiting for them to go back and have to destroy like the floors that he says he he sanded them all and stained them all by hand rather than using a machine and there's like the one guy's commenting on the tiles that are like above the um, range hood and you're like okay like I kept waiting for those things to come back up where he had like 
okay, those tiles are special to him, and now he's got to smash them. That floor is special to him, and now he's going to have to destroy it. But they never really did that. Yeah. So the movie's all right. I think it's, yeah, it's saved by a good lead actor and a good director. But it, much like many of the movies we've discussed recently, it's just they weren't quite sure whether they were making a drama or an exploitation film, so they just tried to do both. And it's kind of weird. Apparently this won some uh, like Best Actor Award at Cannes? Cannes, I want to say. At Cannes? At a film festival. Oh, okay, I can see at a film festival because there's a lot of film festivals. I keep closing this tab. I should just leave it open for the entire time we're talking about. It's going to take me a second to look. So continue on. Yeah. For those of you at home, if you're having a movie night with your friends and you want a double feature, uh, these two movies is actually be a pretty good double feature. Just make sure you do of unknown origin first. Yeah. Well, the problem is if you do that, you're going to have a certain segment of people who get up and leave after the first movie and you're, you're taking that second movie away from them. And it's so oh. fucking good. Yeah, that's true. Oh, or, Deadly Eyes, take, man, was just... I take, it, I take it back. Deadly Eyes and Orca. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Do I ever want to watch that double feature? It wasn't Con, but it was the Paris Film Festival in 1983. Okay. I don't know much about the Paris Film Festival, but... Uh, sure, it's fine. It surprises me. The French like the... Uh, people smoking cigarettes and talking in cafe movies. Yes, but sometimes a Paris film festival will give a famous actor a an award just to get them to show up and accept it, right? Yeah, yeah. Not, not Paris specifically, but any type of... Yeah, he wasn't famous at this point, though. He, this was his first leading role in a movie. Was it? Yeah. Maybe he's just maybe they just thought he was really good. I think he's really good in the role. I I actually think his performance is excellent. He does a great job of like playing like at the beginning. He's like super confident and he looks really good in the suit and everything. And then as the movie devolves and he's like losing his mind when he finally snaps at his boss and he's just like, look, you get your stupid report when you get it. If you want to take the project away from me, then do it. I don't care anymore. (laughs) Like I thought I thought those moments were handled very well. And that he also is capable of the action elements of the film, which are we we know that about him from his RoboCop days, right? RoboCop. And so trivia says favorite film of Stephen King, uh, debut cinema movie of actress Shannon Tweed, yep, and first leading role in a film television production of actor Peter Weller. That's whoever's in charge of casting that puts Peter Weller in his first leading role and gets Shannon Tweed to play like the hot wife who like that's not me calling her hot it's every character in the movie calls her the hot wife and they every time they show her she's like either in like a like beautiful evening gown dress or she's naked or she's in a bikini like that's it they just (laughs) there's never like a scene of her in like jeans and a t-shirt that just doesn't happen in the whole movie Uh, I was gonna say I could even see the Stephen King bit because this kind of Oh, this fit all his. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. It's kind of a meandering story that abruptly ends. <laughs> yeah. It just needs a, 
an anti-religion theme thrown into it and maybe some bullies from the 50s that come by and make fun of him for breaking his house. That's uh, that would be a full Stephen King story. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, what did everybody watch this week? Uh, things. Or, or specifically... It, or specifically thing uh really the only thing i had time to watch was candy man me too i i recommend uh yes highest of rest i feel like I, this is this is going to be a weird statement but both these statements are true if you're a fan of the original candy man movie just go into this blind and you'll have a good time and if you're not you should probably still just go into this blind <laughs> Don't don't go back and watch the original. If if you like this, go back and watch the original Candyman. But Candyman's kind of notoriously uh, uh, plotting in a certain way that a lot of people don't like. They're wrong because it's amazing, but a lot of people don't like that. And maybe this, with its more high-impact storytelling, will get you more engaged with the material to go back and watch the original. Yeah. There's also two sequels. I mean, you can just jump that shit. Jump, <laughs> jump that shit like a ramp. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't mind those sequels. Like, but I like shitty movies, so that's a thing. Like the second one's set in New Orleans, which doesn't make any goddamn sense because well, New, or- New Orleans is a cool, like, weird culture for stuff like that, ghosts right. and everything. Yeah, yeah, but if, I don't. It, something about the connection to uh cabrini green in south chicago and uh the oppressive nature of what that neighborhood was informs the story so much better than hey look cajuns and carnival you know (laughs) like fuck no well it's like he chases there's like a book dealer or something in the first one and he sort of chases them down to new orleans which really doesn't make any sense yeah, it's it's, it's really it's real weird. And then I never did get around to watching the third one, which I'm probably better off for. Yeah, yeah, d- yeah. Day, uh, yeah, Day of the Dead. I think is what it's called. I don't even remember. It's it's hot trash. So they get there's a, there is a singular problem with the original Candyman movie. And that is that it is a movie that is quintessentially about black experience, but it's told through the lens of a white woman in order to make the movie marketable. (laughs) And the sequels do not improve that problem. So both the sequels are Candyman stories which is now firmly established and doesn't need the extra push. And it's told through the lens of white people, Mm -hmm. which gross, which I can tell you, this one does not do that. Yeah, it it doesn't ignore white people 
but it doesn't. No, give but it them tells the platform. Tells the story of gentrification through the view of a African Americans. So, and that all ties back together into Candyman stuff. So, it's, yeah. So, yeah, and I really liked. So they were able to keep the themes together from the original movie because there's the original movie has a whole bunch of interesting through lines like art and in the specifically graffiti style art and things like that and how that it's this cultural touchstone that even in its most destructive forms like it 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 has to do with community and all that kind of stuff and therefore has to do with the idea of the candy man and and they kept that in this new movie while doing new stuff with it that makes sense they didn't they kept they kept they kept all the themes without rehashing everything they made changes without uh selling out or corrupting the original story which was cool and then they managed to take a few things from the original movie and the sequels that were kind of like fucking nonsense that didn't make sense and instead tied it all back together and was like now it all makes sense and you're like jesus it all does now make sense good job good job jordan peele you managed to tie up all those strings that were dangling and as i as i was telling one of my friends earlier this movie is good from the the start of the opening credits until literally the last credit has left the screen, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time I saw that. That like there there is no reason to not watch every second of this movie every time. Yeah. 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 People still get up in the theater and we're leaving during credits. Yeah, fucking idiots. There's no there's no I'm gonna say this. There's no uh post credit scene in the movie. But if you've watched the trailer, they sort of tell these stories with like these shadow puppets in the whole during the whole run of the credits. They're telling stories with these shadow puppets and it's beautiful and it's interesting and it actually adds to the story of the movie you just watched. So yeah, sitting and watching. Yeah. And the very literally the very last moment kind of ties it all together and has this final uh brutal but poignant message <laughs> mm-hmm. which is which is royally fucked but you're like yeah but that's that's the only way the story does end i guess <laughs> yeah but yeah uh, so, all all the acting's really good it's, it's, i don't know it's fantastic like i said i don't want to talk about the the actual plot cuz you know it's it's well, it's its own thing you just need to go see it, Doug, and then we can have a nice spoilery discussion about it. We'll see. I'll do my best. I might not do my best. <laughs> I was really sad. The theater I went and saw it in, there was literally like four people in that entire theater. I was like, ah. That's exactly how I want to see it if I go. Yeah. So here's the thing. Good for me. Bad for the movie. This movie... I, I know we said it's number one. The fact that it's getting ready to get kicked off of number one next week by a Marvel movie is an injustice. Mm-hmm. 
and and not not that the Marvel movie doesn't deserve to make all the monies and all that kind of stuff. It's just especially the fact that Jordan Peele wrote this again. That dude right now is fucking unstoppable. And I feel like in 40 years, we're going to be looking back at this 10 year stretch at him like we do at John Carpenter. Yeah, I can't argue that. It's a bold statement. It really is. But I mean, his last I, I, the last three things I've seen of that he had his fingerprints on. It's like, fuck, this is all really, really good. Yeah, man, I, I went on and on about how much I liked us. Just right. whatever that was last week or the week before. So, yeah. Yeah, like I said, pretty much as long as he is uh, involved, like in a pretty high up um, role, then I will definitely watch anything that he is involved with. I just it blows my mind that he came out of comedy. I don't fucking I don't get it. He has such a fucking this this knack for horror. The funny thing is he was on a couple years before uh, Get Out. He was on like a horror podcast I listened to talking about how much he loves horror movies and how he wants to make one and stuff. And so when he made Get Out, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Like he he was totally into it and super excited to make one. And now that being as good as it is was maybe kind of shocking. <laughs> right. And I think I think he's only getting better. Mm-hmm. If that because get, get get out's great, and he has this knack of uh, weaving in these these political ideas in these interesting ways to kind of address them indirectly to make it a little more palatable. If that if that makes sense, mm-hmm. but in get out it was a little ham fisty. Like it kind of beats you over the head with its ideologies yeah. and stuff, which which is fine. And then it was still great. It doesn't matter. But going from that to this script where I don't know how much of it is his script and how much of it is this uh, this woman director who I'm not super familiar with. The cost of, I don't know what uh, what else she's worked on, but I know she's. Working on a Marvel project now, so. Ooh, I wonder if she's doing the next uh, Black Panther movie. No, that's Coogler again, I believe. But uh, okay, on the uh, Miss Marvel stuff, maybe. Oh yeah, maybe maybe the Miss Marvel TV show. Uh, but I was gonna say, but this one, I like I said, I don't know how much of it's the script and how much of it's her, but it's. The messaging's not not exactly more subtle, but it's told in a way that I think if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't even know it's there. If that makes sense. I don't know. Like there's there's some stuff with the way cops are shot in the film and the way they're treated that I just find fascinating. No. And which, once again, it's kind of it's it's spoilery. But yeah. she's doing uh, the Marvels. Which is the one that's going to combine Ms. Marvel, Monica, and Captain Marvel together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. But yeah, I'll quit, I'll quit blathering on about it. It's, it's fucking fantastic. Seriously, people, if you haven't seen it, go, go fucking see it. Don't, don't wait to see that one at home. Go see it in the theater, because it's worth it. Agreed. What did you watch, Doug? Uh, I don't have too much. 
I watched something called a Saturday Morning Mystery, also known as Saturday Morning Massacre. It's from 2012. And it is a live-action Scooby-Doo. It's literally a team of ghost hunters that very closely resemble the Scooby-Doo team driving around with their dog in their old 70s van. And they uh, go on a job where it turns out that there might be real ghosts there instead of just... uh, Instead of just, you know, some old man trying to save his amusement park or whatever. Um, I don't know how to decide whether to recommend it to anyone or not. It is that. It's a B-movie version of Scooby-Doo. So if you want to watch that, it exists. Um, I guess you could say it delivers what it promises because it's that. It was kind of fun. I enjoyed it a little bit. Uh, I was shocked how much it reminded me of Scooby-Doo because I don't didn't know it was legal to make something that was that close to Scooby-Doo and release it and make money off of it without giving all the money to the Scooby-Doo people. But apparently you can get away with it. Um, the only other thing I watched, I, I watched the season 10 of The Walking Dead because it just showed up on Netflix recently. Yeah. Uh, and I hadn't been caught up. And I... I was only intending, I was intending to watch it like gradually, but I ended up watching all of it. And with the exception of the last like 15 minutes, because I was watching the final episode when it was time to record. Um, but it's really good. Um, it, the show really has found its its place, I think. They've perfected the, the Game of Thrones style storytelling where they jump around to different stories that are going on simultaneously in different locations. And then every now and again, they just dedicate like an episode to certain characters that they feel need more attention. Um, They've really kind of nailed that. It's not as like, I don't know if you guys remember, but like the first couple of seasons of walking dead, there was always that issue of like a character would get their whole own show. And then like two weeks later they'd die. And it was just like the most predictable thing in the world. They seem to have moved away from that pretty well. Um, what blows my mind about season 10 is um, so there, the thing that started in season nine and that a lot of people complained about with season 10 was that they try to redeem the Negan character. Um, and I like, to me, I was like, how do you take that guy and try to kind of redeem somebody who's done the things he's done? But I thought they handled it really, really well. Um, First of all, because of the time jump that happened during season nine, they do like a a really good job of constantly reminding you that this guy was locked up in a cage for like eight years. So he there's reason for him to have changed and there's you know time passed for everyone else to kind of be able to look beyond what he was. Um they also do a really good job of making sure everyone knows that he's not fully redeemed, that he's not some hero, that he's just maybe better than he was, which is not an accomplishment really. And they do a really good job of making sure that the audience always knows that you know, your sort of main group of characters who you inherently trust still don't trust him and aren't ready to move on and treat him as one of the group. So he's not really redeemed, even though he's taken on a role as one of the team members and is helping out with certain things. Um, I, I just I was kind of blown away by how well they did it because I I just thought when I heard that that's kind of where they were going with the character I thought no way and it's probably one of the reasons why I hadn't seen season ten until now. 
Um, but what can I say? They got it right. Um, caught me off guard. I think the show has been really good since they, you know, killed off Rick and, or not killed off Rick, but moved him away and then did the time jump. I think they really saved themselves there. Cause I think the show was dying at that point. They were just kind of out of ideas and they seem to have really built a whole new world. Yeah. They, uh, I, one of the problems I said is one of the biggest problems the show had was Rick. Yeah. So they got rid of him. The show got really, uh, I think one of my favorite Negan moments was from last season when he breaks off and joins uh, the other group, the whispers, the whispers and uh, their initiation is to drop them off uh, without a weapon to fight off like a giant horde of zombies. Mm -hmm. And then they're kind of like, well, that'll be, I don't have to worry about him no more. And then just comes marching back into camp. Like, where's my goddamn skin suit? (laughs) I'm just like, it's amazing. Uh, well, I mean, part of what makes that character like he was a, a likable villain and now he's more likable as kind of the quote unquote hero is just the performance from Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He's so fucking good. Yeah. And, you know, even they do a, they do a bunch of flashbacks to help fill in his backstory and he plays like a younger version of himself and you can kind of see him growing into the character and all that. And they 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 got really lucky that they got somebody cast who can actually handle doing that. Because a lot of times that's a problem in these types of shows. You hire somebody who can do something very specific and then you want to show them doing something different and you can't, right? Yeah. Um, But yeah, the whole thing with him joining the Whisperers and it's like, I kind of knew it was pretty obvious, just maybe because I've watched too much TV in my life where it was headed, but I thought it was done really well. I I really like the Whisperers as villains. I'm kind of sad that they're over, but yeah, I'm, I've been watching the first couple episodes of the new season, and uh, I've been greatly enjoying it. The Reapers, yeah. which I don't know anything about, so I never I read the first trade of the comic and didn't really like it, so I just kind of didn't really read anything else. But have enjoyed the TV show enough that I may go back and reread them at some point, but. Um, yeah, so the Reapers just showed up in the the very end of the last episode. So, yeah, see where it goes. Those guys in like the white outfits, they kind of introduced in season 10. Uh, not in what I saw, but okay. Uh, not so. really, yeah, not really sure who's who when it comes to the naming of all the different groups, but I, didn't, I don't either. There's one thing. Sorry, they showed some guy in the last episode and acted like I should know who he was. So I was like, "Oh fuck!" Uh, I'm sure he's probably been around. I don't. I don't remember who this guy is. But that that happens because the show's been on so long. And the other thing is, some of those characters show up and people immediately recognize them from the comics. But I haven't read the comics, so I don't know. <laughs> it's a because even back in like season three, I think. When first of all, there was when they introduced the prison, they did that whole thing where it was like they faded off and showed us the prison. And I'm like, why are they showing us that? And they're like, oh, in the comics, they go live in a prison for a while. I'm like, okay, well, I didn't know that. And the same thing happened when Michonne showed up. They made a big deal of that character kind of walking towards the camera. I'm like, I don't like that looks cool, but I don't know who that is. So I don't know why that's the like final shot of an episode kind of thing. 
And now she's not even on the show anymore. Okay, because she, you know, she leaves in, at some point here. And I didn't know if she's just going to show back up episode one of the next uh, no, that season was or not. The end of her run, uh, you know, she ran off to find Rick or whatever. Yeah. I think the thought is she'll end up being in the movie that they're supposed to do with Rick. Yeah. But... See, the thing about that is I didn't like her and Rick together. That was one of the problems that I had. <laughs> so if they put a movie and they put them back together, that might make me not want to watch the movie. <laughs> like, If you're going to do a, a Walking Dead movie, I would rather you spin off one of the existing characters that you have other, other than Rick. Like, I'm happy to see him gone. Well, two of the characters are getting spinoff since this is the last season of the right the i don't know walking dead proper and then yeah two characters are supposed to get their own spinoff and then there's supposed to be another new show that they're yeah point, so oh. uh have you watched world beyond yet no it's decent um i guess the good part of it is they said right up front this is gonna be a two season show oh, so, that's good 20 episodes total. And then the cast is basically a group of kids that have sort of grown up in the zombie apocalypse. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. So it's interesting. There are a couple problems I have with it. Like they seem really freaked out about having to kill zombies. And I'm just like, well, if you've grown up in it, you should know like that these zombies need to be killed. Yeah. There's lots of him and Han about, Oh, I don't know. I don't want to do this. It's like, well, but you have to. So, yeah season one of that's out and i think season two is going to be probably premiering after maybe during the i'm assuming they're doing another mid-season break for this season of the walking dead okay i'm gonna assume that the second season of world beyond will be on during that yeah i kind of i kind of like the idea like one of the things i like about the walking dead now is that they they're sort of reestablishing the world and they've still got the, the hordes of the dead just wandering around the idea of a whole show where we're a generation deep and these kids that have never known another world those are our main characters is very interesting to me mm-hmm. yeah that's what drew me in too so then it's one of those if you finish the first 10 episodes you're like well it was okay but then you're like yeah but i'll get another 10 episodes as a go so i'll probably just finish this out so yeah, I was gonna say that's basically how the comic books end. Okay, with this is this is the new order, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Although they killed they killed the <laughs> the character that it ends with, so I don't know what the fuck they're doing on the yeah. show. I haven't been keeping up with it. No, I uh, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll wait for. I don't know if I'll wait for Netflix for season eleven or what I'll do, but yeah. I'm super impressed with season 10. So, yeah, I see like when I post, people are like, oh, Walking Dead, I stopped watching that in season four or whatever. And I'm just like, good for you. I didn't. Yeah. I'm I'm glad people still like it. I just, I just lost interest in it somewhere, which is weird because I love zombies and I like the comic book. I don't know why the show. I think it's because I hate the fucking actor that played Carl so much. <laughs> we'll start with season ten. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. That's true. It's he's not an issue. A, he was such a little bitch. I just 
I don't under in the comic books. Carl's such a badass, and in the show, they made him such a fucking tool. <laughs> no, he's gone now. Not an issue. Um, Which is yeah. funny. From what I heard, it was right after they had told him that they weren't going to kill him off because he was asking them like. Like, okay, I need to know because I'm thinking about buying a house down where we're shooting. Yeah, yeah I've heard that. <laughs> and then they killed him off like two months after he bought his new house or something. It's like, Jesus Christ. It's funny. The that's part, that's why you don't hilarious. buy a house mid-season. The part I find hilarious about that is like everyone kept talking about how, like, how long can they keep using this kid because – you know, he's getting too old to still be Carl kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's hard to pretend that he's still that kid when the actor is aging faster than the character is supposed to. And everyone kept talking about that for like literally years and then they kill him off and then they do a time jump. So they could have just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we need another kid. We got to age Judith up. So yeah, I like the little girl that plays Judith, the, the older version of her though. She's awesome. So I'm glad they did that. When they have her like giving Michonne life advice, <laughs> Michonne just like shit. The kids are right. I got to do what she said now. Every it happens like a lot, and I enjoy it every time. I th- I think maybe when Negan killed Glenn, that's whenever I quit watching the show. I I came close at that point. It's um, a, it, only because that happens in the comic books, and I was like, you know what? They deviate from the comic books on every single fucking thing. In this one time, the one character that I was always like, man, I wish Negan didn't kill Glenn. And then he fucking kills him. It's like, God damn it. My biggest problem with it at the time was. Um, OK, so first of all, I hate season end cliffhangers. Fuck you. I do not like that. Right. A little teaser of what's coming next year is one thing. But the way they did it, where like they're literally like he's like pointing the bat at the camera and like, I'm going to kill you as soon as everyone tunes in for the season premiere. Pissed me off. I did. I was very angry about it. And then my second problem was I had no idea because I didn't know from the comics at all. Right. But I'm like, there's been two characters. The one character was uh, I forget the, the big redheaded guy's name who kept talking about like he kept like he was going to kill himself and all that that whole season. And I'm like, and then there was Glenn who they had faked his death earlier in the season. And I'm like, if it's either of those two guys, it feels like a cheap stunt and motherfucker. It was both of those two guys. And I was so mad at the time. I was so mad when it turned out to be both those guys that got killed off. Cause I'm like, those are the only two characters where it'll feel cheap if it's one of them. And it, and it was both. Did you sign so, up to get, uh, what's his face? Kirkman to reveal who it was who died. No. Did you not stand it that much? Couldn't wait three months for the new season to start? No, I just spent that three months bitching about the show. Jesus Christ. I'm trying to remember where how the timeline works. So you probably go back and find old horror etceteras with me ranting about that. Remember when JR got shot on Dallas and people didn't know for almost an entire year? Yeah, but I didn't watch that show, so I didn't care. It's not new. That's how old TV used to work. Yeah, I, I I hate it. I hate cliffhangers that end. If you end a season of a show on a cliffhanger or a movie on a cliffhanger, fuck you. Like, 
you know, and they, they, they do that occasionally with movies. It's like, here's the cliffhanger for the ending. Make sure you come back next year for the next one. Fuck you. Yeah. No, I, I'm a firm believer in the self-contained thing. Every season should end in a way that if there was never another season, everybody would be okay with it. To a certain extent, I agree with that. Walking Dead does a good job of introducing new villains like in one season that will then be the big villains in future seasons. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that idea of introducing them, just not full cliffhangering them like that. Mm. All right. Well, did you watch anything else? No, no. I ended up, like I said, a whole season of Walking Dead. That's way more than I usually watch in a week. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. For next week, uh, we're going to watch some Robert England movies from 1998, just because I'm in the mood to watch Urban Legend again. All right. Team that up with Strangeland. Yeah. Which is a D. Snyder movie? Yes, it is, yeah. A weirdly good movie about sadomasochism in piercing culture. Careful, because if you say it's about sadomasochism, then he'll just he'll get up and give you a lecture about how you went looking for the sadomasochism and you found it. I mean, he literally uses sad, sadomasochistic toys to torture and kill people. I was trying to make a fun little reference to that time he yelled at Congress people, though. Yeah. But he's creepy smart. I guess. I saw it once. I remember really enjoying it, but but I've never I, I've I, never seen it, and that's at one point we were gonna do Robert England month, but it turned into just this episode. Uh but I'm excited to watch Urban Legend again because I was a big fan of that and I haven't watched it in like 10 years. So I have a feeling uh, it's going to be very 1998, which could be a problem. But Yeah, I'm fine with that. Uh, all right. Do we want to talk about what if the episode this week? Sure. Sure. I, Everybody's have, like, I, have I seen it? What's the new episode? What's the newest episode? Which one is it? So if they kill off all the Avengers before they. Become- oh, right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was all right. I feel like this one was like a weird stretch for some uh, reason. See, well, you, I, you're much more mediocre on it than me. I was super positive. Well, see, uh, I'll, I'll break it down the middle. I really, really enjoyed the episode, but it's not what I want from the show at all. Um, like what I want from the show is what we got with Captain Carter, which is what if this one thing changed? How does that impact the rest of the world? Right. And what we got here is like what if everything was entirely different? You know what I mean? Well, no, they, they, they just didn't reveal what changed until the end. Yeah. To a certain it's, extent. It's just, it's what if hope Van Dyne joined shield instead of siding with her dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could argue that, but it's how many different things we see go differently throughout it how many moments from phase one of the Marvel cinematic universe are reshot and then done in a different way um, is kind of, I don't know, overwhelming. They're like, what if every movie happened differently because of this one event that we don't where I can tell you what the event is till the end. Yeah. I don't know. I really liked it just cause I got to actually see, uh, real Hank Pym and real yellow jacket. Yeah. Which 
that's what I was excited about too. Like once everything came together, um, it was sort of everything else leading up to it. I'm just kind of like, all right, all right. Like this is fine, I guess. But I don't feel like it was as exciting as like the reveal, which was like, oh shit, it's crazy Hank Pym in his yellow jacket persona. Like that's exciting. But yeah. All the yeah, other stuff. I was going to say, it's, I, I feel like so far that is my greatest disappointment of the Marvel movies up till now. I feel like they took the the character of Hank Pym, who is actually a really interesting, complicated, tortured character and just didn't fucking use him. Mm. Which is weird. I don't I don't get it. Yeah, well, because they, they decided to turn Ant-Man into a comedy series. And they don't want a character that dark in their comedy series, right? Well, but they could have done, they still could have done that because they didn't do Hank Pym Ant Man. They had it all happen in the past, which is fine. Yeah. They just, they just didn't go with him being broken and clearly having uh, some underlying mental issues that tend to manifest whenever he gets stressed out about something. Right. No, I agree. Like they just did. Their decision was not to go do anything dark with that whole Ant-Man series, really. But anyways, yeah, I like I enjoyed the episode because I got caught up in the murder mystery. I was trying to figure out who it was. I did not figure out who it was at all. In retrospect, it's like kind of obvious, but during my first watch, I did not have a clue. Um, which is good. I mean, that's what you want from a murder mystery. Yeah, and then pretty much the death of everybody uh, results in Loki taking over the world, which was kind of fun, too. It was. It's fun because of the fact that, like, you realize, like, oh, like, the Avengers were absolutely essential, which is important, right? Mm-hmm. It's also fun that Nick Fury considers um, calling Captain Marvel and doesn't. Mm-hmm. Which it it's funny to me because it's like, oh, so he screwed up like big time. <laughs> if he had, he all he had to do was push a button and that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. And the final scenes of Loki taking over were fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping we get a sequel to this one, sort of like we did last one. Like if it's Captain Marvel and Captain America teaming up and they have to sort of build like a new Avengers team, that could be fun to take on Loki. And that, that could be like, is it the end of like at the, if you get the idea of like the end of um, the first one, you had her, her, her waking up in the future and all that. Right. Mm-hmm. So you could very well have this new team go and have to take on Loki after the fact. It's just a team that was assembled later kind of thing. Yeah. But that wouldn't really work though, because uh, if she disappeared into the, uh, Tesseract or whatever you want to call it. Um, that means Steve was never Captain America and he was never frozen. You're right. Doesn't really make sense. So unless they cross like multiverse barriers, which is possible. Yeah, I mean, it's very plausible that they're trying to set us up for a multiverse through this series. Which I don't like. I I don't really want that. Again, like what I wanted from the Marvel what if series was a bunch of stories of like, what if this one thing changed? Mm-hmm. And it's, like that, that's all I wanted. I didn't want it to tie into anything else. 
where it's starting to seem more and more like it might. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Again, I have utter faith in them. We're so deep into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and it's all still, you know, like at least kind of working that I'm like, well, whatever. We'll just go with it then. Yeah, I feel like the Eternal is going to be the big test. Like, yeah. I don't really know anything about them and I'm not super movie. Like, I'm sure it'll probably end up being fine, but I mean, it's, I've not, like, this is probably the least I've ever looked forward to a Marvel just because. I don't know anything about it. So. Well, yeah, we're getting into this point of characters that I'm not up to date with at all. Where I'm like, like even Shang Chi is like, I really don't know what I'm going into here. I, I'm I'm in a weird spot with it because he's the new version of Shang Chi, which I don't know a ton about. I old Shang Chi, one of my favorite characters of all time. The fucking '70s stuff's so fucking good, but that's not who this is so i don't i don't know i'm still stoked for it someone bought my kid the uh, the little golden book of shang chi and uh i was reading that to him the other night and making notes of like what to expect from the movie (laughs) like oh look at that he's not super powered apparently well the new version is okay so i don't he has uh chi manipulation and all that shit kind of like iron fist all right and if I remember right, in some of the comics, he can, like, duplicate himself. I don't. It's weird. That has, once again, the 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 one from my version didn't have any superpowers. He was just the world's greatest martial artist. That's more fun. Right, right. 100%. Especially if, with the idea of, in those comic books, he would do crazy shit, like block a punch from the Hulk. And everybody would just be confused, be like, uh... He doesn't have any superpowers. How the fuck did he just do that? That's kind of fun. Well, I also think that at some point they're going to need to bring in more grounded characters, like some guys that don't have giant, giant, like world altering powers so that we can have some just fun movies that are just not like, like get back to some Captain America style movies where it's like two guys punching each other. Cause it's not how many, how many movies in a row can they have the entire galaxy be at stake? And we're all supposed to care. I didn't watch it, but supposedly a video went up from, uh, uh, one of the rumor mills, everything always. I think that supposedly there was just a leak of a new TV show in the works. That's daredevil. The man without fear for Disney plus. Oh, it's interesting. Which could lend a little more credence to Matt Murdock being in Spider-Man. Yeah, that depends if I, I just I still don't know whether they're going to try to bring in some of the Netflix stuff or not. See how they do it. I think it sounds an awful lot like they're really interested in trying to preserve. Uh, Charlie Cox as Daredevil and. Uh, John Bernathal is Punisher. Which I, I understand the desire to do that, but I just don't know that you can get away with doing that and then pretending the other stuff didn't happen. Hey, well, but multiverse shenanigans now, so they're going to get to yeah. make it, it, it at least once because of this Spider-Man shit in the Doctor Strange sequel. I think they basically have a carte blanche opportunity to go we're resetting everything. This is the arrangement. The end. 
If they keep if they keep doing it, it's going to destroy everything and everybody's going to be like, fuck you, because that's what they do in the comic books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you become like DC rebooting every five years kind of thing. Right. Um, But I think they can get away with it once. They can get away with it once in order to try to explain mutants, bring in the Fantastic Four and maybe consolidate some of the outside properties that they need to bring back in. Yeah. As long as they don't keep doing it, we're fine. Yeah, we'll see. I Right now, like I say, I have faith in them, and I hope everything's going to turn out well. But I also have some fear that we're, we're coming to the end of this. You know, There's already the issue of, like, we've basically been told that all of, you know, phase one through three was irrelevant because <laughs> it was all predetermined by some character who we met for 30 seconds. Well, although we'll find out. We'll like, Kang, Kang's such a fucking interesting character. I have no idea what they're planning on doing with him. I don't know if he's going to be the big bad going forward or if it's going to be one of those things that they're going to be like, oh, he's the big bad, and then him not be. Kind of like a Loki type thing. Oh, we'll see. Not not necessarily with the anti-hero turn. But. Yeah. Who knows? I'm sure Marvel knows way better than we do. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm not convinced because they are still studio execs, and I do not trust studio execs. Right. <laughs> I was gonna say it's Kevin. It, it's Kevin gonna, He's done a decent job, so yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Eternals is the weird one. I know one character pretty well, and that's it. Like Black Knight, I know Black Knight, <laughs> and he's not even an Eternal. He's something else. Yeah. Or at least he is in the comic books. I don't know if they're trying to make him an Eternal or if they're just going to have him be him and shacked up with an Eternal. Like, I have no idea what any of that shit is, to be totally honest. It's all very confusing to me. They have, I know the basics. Of, so it's basically, you know, in the in the Marvel Universe, there's like this weird hierarchy of beings I'll ignore the super powerful ones, but right below them are these celestials, which is what like ego was. Yeah. And and the celestials like to fuck with stuff. Unknown reasons why. It just seems to be what celestials do. They just fuck with stuff all the it's time. Just their thing, yeah. Yeah. So they created humans for some reason. Although there's never a good explanation why. Meh. And then they created the deviants, which are basically like horrible monsters. Okay. And they created the Eternals to fight the horrible monsters. And that's it. And basically they stick the Eternals on Earth and they say, you stay here, but you're not allowed to interfere with mankind ever in any acts of, I can't remember what it is. It's like war, several other things, unless deviants are involved so if the monsters come out and attack somebody then you can interfere and that's it that's all i and i can't remember if they were before or after but they were basically a response to the new gods in dc yeah that all sounds dumb it's hard just to explain why like okay half the universe died and they're still like nope can't uh can't do nothing well which is which is complicated because they're using the excuse that a deviant wasn't involved but thanos kind of is a deviant (laughs) kind of 
not not totally, not really. He's technically an eternal. He's one of them, but he has a a single a gene of a deviant, which is why he's all purple and weird looking. Yeah, and still. I'm not I'm not really excited for anything until Spider Man hits. So Spider Man's gonna be so fucking good. <laughs> I've watched that trailer like a hundred times. Alfred Molina popping up is just like yeah, so good. <laughs> See all the Sinister Six in it so far? Uh, well, five of the six. Which I think one? there's there's still questions about who the last one is. Which one didn't you find? Well, I mean, so there's there's Goblin, obviously. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Doc Ock. There's, I mean, Jamie Foxx's Electro is already confirmed. Yeah, but they, they apparently they do show yellow electricity instead of blue, so... Well, they're saying he's probably going to be green and yellow suit Electro. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Which is a cool idea to bring him in as the same character, but a different character. <laughs> yeah. Just wild. Uh, there's a, a spot where you everybody keeps saying it's Lizard, but I've watched that like a hundred times on a big screen TV, and I don't think there's any way to actually confirm that. No. All, all you see is a dark shaped thing that looks like it has a tail bang into a a magic wall. Mm -hmm. So it could be lizard. It could be scorpion. It could be one of a thousand things. I don't know. Well, and scorpion's been hinted at in the series already, so I don't see why we wouldn't think it would be him. Right. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the other ones were. Well, something that looks like a snow, like a sandstorm. Which, oh, oh yeah, Sandman probably, yeah. and then yeah. So then, and then there's the unknown, right? Which I, yeah. I'd be, I'd be pretty surprised if Michael Keaton doesn't show up. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're saving him for something else, and maybe Sony's yeah. wanting to keep that in their back pocket since he's popping up in Morbius or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know. But I don't know. Once again, the, I, I think the shapeless thing, I think the fact that people are saying that it's Lizard is uh, a little presumptive. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it could even be fucking Venom for all the fuck we know, which uh, that would that would really blow fucking people's mind. I've actually heard rumblings that they uh, may do something crazy and have Andrew Garfield's character. An evil version of Spider-Man. Oh, that actually, since they're doing multiverse, having him be doppelganger would be fucking nuts. Yeah, that'd be good too. I'd be down. I'd be down with that. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Craven, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I can't wait to see it. And then someone pointed out the saddest thing in the world, which is that Stan Lee is not going to be available to cameo and what. Possibly could be the best Spider-Man movie of all time. Yeah, I was I was talking to somebody the other day. So with, uh, you know, Sam Raimi making his way over to the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. How fucking nuts would it be if member number six is Mysterio? Yeah, but, but it's but it's Bruce Campbell Mysterio. I've been seeing people saying they hope that happens too. that Mysterio shows up and. Doctor Strange too. Oh, I was gonna say in Spider Man. Sure, but, but but having it be Bruce Campbell would be like fucking brilliant. 
<laughs> just because you know that's what Raimi supposedly wanted to do, and they kept telling him no. Yeah, I think they should just do it because nerds will pay lots of money for Bruce Campbell Mysterio action figure. And from what I understand, uh, Disney likes money. So right. Oh, do, oh, you think Disney's pro money? Yeah, I think they're pretty. Yeah. I hadn't heard that. So. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. I really hope the Sandman rumors are true because Thomas Hayden Church did such a fucking good job in that sack of shit movie. Yeah. And he really deserves to like do that character justice. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So I just posted an article today on Joe Blow about actors and characters who should come back to the MCU since multiverse stuff is the thing now. Um, and I, one of them that I put was uh, Michael Bailey Smith is the thing from the Lost Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> and I said if they were, if Disney was smart, what they would do is uh, if the Fantastic Four movie is coming up, is to finally put that shit out on Blu-ray because nerds would buy the shit out of it. And I heard that yeah. Disney, so they could make a lot of money doing it, but. Or even like even if they don't want to release it by them by itself, whenever the Fantastic Four movie comes out, mm-hmm. just put a second disc in and have it be an extra. Right. I mean, even if it was something crazy, you know, it's like a a fucking sixty dollars steel book 4K version of the new Fantastic Four movie. Plus, you get the the Carmen Four. <laughs> yeah. I'd buy, I'd buy that shit. Lots of people would buy that shit, but like I said, they don't like money. You never know, though. They could end up putting it on uh, Disney Plus or something one day. It's yeah. They'll, well, from, they'll do well, anything. I'm wondering if they're if they would be worried about having to pay royalties and stuff to the actors and stuff for a movie that technically was never supposed to come out. They get they get weird about rights issues and royalties and stuff like that. Um, they do fucking hate paying people for doing jobs, don't they? Yeah. Because uh, from the research I did for it, apparently they hated the movie so much they bought every print they could find and destroyed it. But somebody filled <laughs> out a uh, you know a copy of it before which is how it ended up in the bootleg market. Yeah, because they like they bought the the Ultraverse. They bought all the Ultraverse characters, and then their excuse is the way the Malibu contracts were structured, they could never afford to print any more Ultraverse stuff because they'd have to pay too much to the uh, creators of the characters. I mean, which is weird. Which means they basically bought a comic line in order to just erase it. Yeah, pretty much. Well, from what I remember, they Malibu had some. New fangled uh, color printing technique, and that's what Marvel really wanted. So they bought the whole company for the color printing, and then just killed off the comic book line. I was going to say something that's been on my mind lately is years ago there was an announcement that I think it was, oh god damn it, Atlas Comics Mm -hmm. sold all their movie rights. Seems right, and. Not a peep since then. 
They sold all the movie rights that there hasn't been a single peep of a single Atlas comic being developed into a film, which is weird. Well, who'd they sell them to, though? It could be... I thought sometimes where somebody buys stuff up and then goes out of business or whatever. I thought it sounded pretty... If I remember right, it was pretty lucrative, and it was to somebody big, maybe uh, Universal or something like that bought it. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why. Yeah. I, I don't know how Universal stays in fucking business at this point. Because when was the last time they really fucking nailed something? Ready Player One? Or that was a WB thing, wasn't it? I don't know. I mean, they've tried, they've tried their MonsterVerse shit over and over and over again and kind of just keep throwing flops out. Just trying to think of what the last movie that I knew was a universal movie. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess Invisible Man did really well, but that's more to do with Blumhouse than anything else. Right. So. And then I was thinking, I I could have sworn there were stories about Malibu comics maybe getting some movies, but. Well, that'd be the Ultraverse, so. Right. Thinking Valiant comics? Maybe. I don't know. There's so many of those small ones that kind of <laughs> fluttered around. And then in my head, they all kind of somehow managed to go back to Dark Horse or uh, Image in my brain for some reason. I'm just like, ah, that's that clearly was an Image comic. And it's like, no, it wasn't. It was some other. Here we go. Uh, so Universal Pictures releases the, the Fast and the Furious franchise. Ah, there's the money. And then uh, they just put out Candyman, uh, Old, and the Purge movies. Yeah, okay, and the Purge stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess they got a couple franchises propping them up. Well, they got a good franchise. I guess the, the probably the Fast and the Furious is what probably makes them tons of money. Um, but those, I'm not seeing those like any fucking like, movies to the futures or like anything. So, God damn. Oh, the new Halloween. New Halloween and the sequel coming up. How do you guys feel? Consider those giant monsters, though, I guess. How do you feel about the new Halloween movie? I think the trailer looks awesome. I'm hoping the movie is good. So Uh, we'll see. I'm anticipating it being very similar to the last one, which I was like, yeah, okay, that was pretty good. Is that mm-hmm. what you think it feels like? I, yeah, I think the other, I think the last one was drastically um, overrated. Even though I liked it, I just think it was people who act like it's a really good movie don't know what they're talking about. Um, and I think this is going to be the same. I was going to say, I thought it kind of it was a newer, less good version of Halloween two, and and then I feel like this one feels like a newer version of Halloween six. <laughs> if that makes sense, the like the speech he's giving of, you know, he's flesh and blood, but he's transcending. I'm like a oh, fucking druid, Michael Myers. That's what we need back in this fucking world. <laughs> I think people are looking a little too far into that sentence. I, I don't think they're going to make him supernatural. I hope I pray to God they don't. But yeah, yeah if they do, I'll be bothered by it. I don't think they're making him supernatural. I think they're just making illusions to that. I mean, plus the fact that the Halloween three masks were in it and, you know, the Halloween three masks were the tie to try to introduce magic and six and 
Well, technically, the Halloween masks were in the last one, too. Right, right. It's just a lot more focal point in the trailer for this one. I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what happens. I, I I, think it'll be fun, and it'll, it'll be what it is. But I don't have a whole lot of hopes that it's not just going to be a weird... I feel like they're turning a horror movie into an action movie, and that usually doesn't work for me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just want to see Michael Anthony Hall fight him with a baseball bat, though. That should be fun. You know he's going to die like a motherfucker, right? Probably. <clears throat> Although I had heard that they actually asked Paul Rudd if he wanted to come back for that character, and he's he declined. I... You, that kind of fucks me up a little bit because Paul Rudd usually seems like the type of person who has so much fun with stuff that he would have yeah. been like, hell yeah. yeah. It could just be scheduling issue or something too, though, right? You never know. From yeah, what I, I heard, he, was, he wasn't like, I would not lower myself. I think it was just, yeah, I'm not going to be able to do that. But He's tell, like, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I'm motherfucking Ant-Man. Tell the kid from Breakfast Club to have fun. Though. Uh, and there is going to be a third one. Just to uh, assuage any anger. If they, if they already announced that there's going to be a third one. They announced in the beginning it was a trilogy. So, yeah, yeah. I, no. I still don't. If there's still cliffhanger, I'm still going to be angry, though. I mean, <laughs> but this, this movie's the whole town rising up against him. Like if why would but if we already know there's another one that fucking cheapens and ruins that entire plot like I don't know the third one's supposed to be called Halloween Ends so I don't know I don't know and Jamie Lee Curtis has said once again that when this run of movies is over she's done playing Laurie Strode forever yeah I believe her. Until 10 years from now, when she's in her wheelchair filming Halloween H2SO4. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.